So Welcome we back. are back, um, Flotus Forever, and we are so grateful today to be joined um, by Dr. Katherine Jellison um, at Ohio State University. Ohio University. Oh, oh I already messed up. <laughs> There's two of them. Oh my gosh. Oh, we're in Athens, Ohio, right? Athens, Ohio. Yes, you got the right town. Oh, no. right. oh gosh, I really could have messed that up. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're at Ohio University. Uh, I'm beat red. I'm so embarrassed. Um, but we are excited to discuss the First Ladies and have a conversation here um, with Dr. Jellison because, um, yeah, there's, there's less people out there interested in this topic than we uh imagine w- imagine yeah. so it's exciting to find sort of an expert in the field do you um, want to um intro yourself a little bit and what you how you what you teach here yeah well, only if you want me yeah we'd love to yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah my my specialty is u.s women's and gender history yeah. so i do teach courses um on that topic but i also have taught courses regularly now. I'm teaching courses on Ohio history. Oh, cool. And very of course, cool. Ohio <laughs> yeah. is the home of uh, the First Lady's Library yeah. and uh, is the native state of more First Ladies than any other state. Mm-hmm. And I also teach a course in Native American history and um, teach a graduate course that I'm just finishing up this semester on um, contemporary history. So, um, and I've taught other things over the years, but my current repertoire is um, a, a couple of women's history courses and then Ohio history and American Indian history. Cool. That's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, we're going to we're going to talk a, a lot about the first ladies in this interview. So, you know, I think that, and, and, but I, I have to imagine that your, um, your knowledge in women's history will come into, come into play as well. So, um, how did you start researching the first ladies? How did that kind of come up in, in your work? Well, I just think any research I've done on women's history on a large scale, I have run into some first ladies. I like to say that they've made guest appearances in books I've written. And um, particularly my first book, which was about the adoption of modern technology by Midwestern farm women uh, in the 20th century, um, Eleanor Roosevelt played a large role because so many farm women probably from all over the country, but I was looking specifically at the Midwest, wrote her personal letters, Mm -hmm. and those uh, documents are in collections at the National Archives. And women would write to her on very woman-to-woman topics, like, Mm -hmm. you you may find it hard to believe, Mrs. Roosevelt, that I've not had a new code in five years or something like that, you know, to to give examples of their poverty during Mm -hmm. the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was the first First Lady, and this was research I was doing in the late 1980s. That was the first First Lady that I um, did any original research on and and for that book. And then everywhere I went, uh, besides the National Archives, working on that topic, I would find uh, documents about people who knew Eleanor Roosevelt or um, at least corresponded with Eleanor Roosevelt 
And then my second book was um, about the history of weddings in the United States since World War II. And one chapter was about celebrity weddings. And those included um, like Jackie Kennedy's Mm -hmm. wedding when she married Senator Kennedy in the 1950s and um, some White House weddings. And although it was obviously daughters of presidents Mm -hmm. who were getting married at the White House, their mothers were very involved. And and the two mothers I'm talking about are uh, Lady Bird Johnson and Pat Nixon. So um, I came to research on First Ladies kind of through the back door because I was working on larger topics where they uh, appeared. And then, oh gee, that must be in 12, 13 years ago, um, I started being asked to do a lot of uh, guest lectures for different organizations and for um, workshops for teachers and things like that. And, and a topic people were always interested in was First Ladies. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd, I'd list several topics I could talk about. And if I'd say first ladies, they would immediately gravitate to that. And it's like I hadn't said anything else. Yeah. So I, yeah, that was probably about 12 or 13 years ago. I started doing formal lectures about um, the history of first ladies. And they, they have remained in my repertoire ever since. And then I have, um, you know, done, done some publishing on uh, first ladies and some conference presentations as well. So it's become one of my uh, subspecialties within the larger field of U.S. women's and gender history. Yeah. Wow, yeah. What sparked your interest in women's studies and, and to begin with? Like what, were you a kid that was mm-hmm. interested in, in gender and, and how women are portrayed? Yeah, um, as I said uh, in earlier conversation with you two, that I am from Kansas originally and as a kid growing up in western Kansas, which is the Great Plains region, uh, my dad and his father-in-law, uh, my maternal grandfather, were both really interested in history and talked about it a lot. And particularly the history of that place, that region, um, including what we call the Indian Wars uh, mm-hmm. after the Civil War. And the town I grew up in, in fact, was um, built near uh, a fort that was established specifically for uh, the so-called Indian Wars, uh, which, of course, now, as an adult who teaches courses on Native American history, I think is such an ironic term because uh, Indians didn't want those wars. (laughs) White people who wanted to remove them from the land wanted those wars. Anyway, um, so I grew up with a lot of talk about history being a part of dinner table or car ride conversations Mm -hmm. and so probably just sort of absorbed some of that through osmosis and then when um, I was in grade school and we started walking down the hallway once a week or every other week to the school library and you could check out books maybe we started doing that around fourth grade or so (laughs) maybe a little earlier Um, I gravitated to the biography and history section of our school library. And I found this series of biographies of famous Americans 
um, that just covered their childhood years. Oh, and they they all they all had orange covers. And I don't remember what the series was called, but what impressed me at the time, and particularly impresses me now, is that they were evenly distributed between famous uh, American men and famous American women. Oh, cool. So I read all these childhood biographies of, of people like Clara Barton and... Um, Amelia Earhart, and I, I probably read every single one of those biographies in that series that dealt with uh, a famous woman's girlhood, mm-hmm. and that really probably turned me on to this whole thing I do now. <laughs> yeah. I love that, like impacted fourth graders, so yeah. inspired. Yeah, yeah, that's so, and like, yeah, like you said, the, the, it is surprising that it was equal parts yeah, male and yeah, female, yeah. you know. That, and yeah. I just, um, David Sedaris did a presentation here in Athens. Oh, cool. Um, very clever name for his performance, <laughs> An Evening with David Sedaris. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I went to that a couple of nights ago, and he, in his... Uh, performance. He talked about those orange-covered biographies. Wow! Yeah, and uh, the woman I went with, I nudged her and said, "Yeah, <laughs> me too." <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but then he talked about reading all of them about boys, right? You know, right, yeah. right. Davy right. Crockett's boyhood, etc. Yeah. But I, I think I pretty exclusively only read the ones about girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you saw yourself in some yes, of those women. Absolutely. You know, I think that's yeah. The beauty of what even what you're doing now, mm-hmm. I hope there's some you know twenty something or thirty something mm-hmm. that's in your classes that are like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I see myself in these women, I yeah. see myself in Dr. Jellison yeah. and yeah. enjoying the, the women's history. Mm-hmm. So, totally. Cool. Um, we watched the C the uh, C-SPAN um, talk that you gave mm. and the archetypes that you gave to oh, these women were just with that. yeah, we yeah. love them and we think it's you know it's a really interesting look at. Um, interesting look at how these women all fit and for I guess we'll just give a little synopsis I think we wrote down like um you had celebrity controversial reluctant and political Mm -hmm. um and then of course career which we love (laughs) that will hopefully be (laughs) hopefully be um and you know when you were doing this I know in the talk you gave it was sort of like this idea that like no one is fitting into one Mm -hmm. um but you know are there any women that you thought right away this is like who I think of when I think of this archetype sort of oh. thing. Like, when you were coming like, up with those. is that what created those archetypes mm-hmm. for you? It's because you were reading about Eleanor, and you're like, okay, she's political. This is mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Yeah, well, and um, it, as I said, I do a lot of these presentations, and I don't remember who all I talked about on, on C-SPAN. Um, was it Ab- it, was, it was it was it was um, Dolly, Dolly Lucy yeah. and, and right, yeah cake. and um, the cake the cake kept coming out. I told her I was like my next birthday I need that cake. I'll post a picture of the cake to our listeners. But yeah. wow. Yeah 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 yeah. I love yeah. that kid. Whoever that kid is. It was, was like, amazing. Yeah. And we love that story too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we just had a ball. Yeah, so it was Dolly Madison, Dolly Madison, Lucy, Lucy Hayes, Hayes, yes, and, and Betty Ford. And Betty Ford. Yeah. yeah. So you just did your pilgrimage. Yes. Yeah, we certainly did. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah to the Lucy Hayes house and I was just hearing on NPR driving in here this morning that uh, Dolly Madison's uh, home is in in controversy now. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have yeah. to imagine. I mean, yeah. we yeah. it's it's it was, you know, um we uh just on that topic, we come to especially with these early women, you know, understand mm-hmm. them with grace and understanding, mm-hmm. but we are not shy about saying mm-hmm. not a good 
people. Not, not the best not, not the best, not on the right side of history by any means. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, our question in terms of, like, yeah, like, did, was there one that you were like, this is my celebrity, this is my controversial? Yeah, yeah or, well, probably right off, off the bat, yeah, I probably thought of, Eleanor Roosevelt as a political partner and one reason I didn't talk about her on C-SPAN was mm-hmm. because everyone talks about her <laughs> yeah. and uh, they asked me to do you know some people who weren't the usual suspects mm-hmm. um, but in, in the long run of course I found out she fulfilled all four categories sure yeah um, I think celebrity I was probably thinking about Jackie Kennedy mm-hmm. and also um, Francis Wholesome Cleveland, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and reluctant. There were so many. <laughs> all the oh my god! Yes. <laughs> yes, there were so many reluctant first ladies. I was probably uh, since my own research is about the twentieth century. I was probably thinking of someone like a best Truman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but most of the <laughs> reluctant ones uh, were uh, 19th century first ladies who had personal tragedies or health problems mm-hmm. that yeah. made them reluctant. Yes, um, yes, very much. And let's see. So we have, oh, controversial. I was probably thinking, uh, also, there were several who could fit in that category. <laughs> I was probably uh, thinking about the the second Mrs. Wilson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I was probably thinking of uh, Nancy Reagan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know that there was any one woman I immediately thought of for each category, but maybe two or three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, these women are so dynamic, and it's. You know, we don't want to pigeonhole them into these definitions, but I really, I think it's a, a nice way that you described for mm-hmm. folks who are maybe just learning about it or just want a, a brief overview, just a way to categorize them and, like, get them introduced mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the ladies, you yeah. know, and maybe yeah. find one they're more and, interested and in. And I will say, I came up with those categories on my own, and now um, several people have said, oh, that's great, you know, yeah. that was really clever of you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that that's... That's a nice contribution you've made to the scholarship. Oh, yeah. for sure. No, we, we were going back through all of the like the, the ladies we've researched, and we're like, wow, she was they a little controversial <laughs> in the beginning, but then political. Yeah. But you know, it's yeah. like so fun and, to and think one, about and like think that. About those categories, yeah. An individual first lady, um, of course, evolves over time and yeah. might start out in one pigeonhole, yeah. and then yeah. the general public perceives her yeah. um, more fitting into a different. Yeah, even like Michelle Obama, you were saying, Mm -hmm. it's like you could put her in reluctant, but then she certainly became celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, with just based on, you know, so many factors. So, yeah, but we we love those archetypes as well. So thank you for them. Mm -hmm. They're they're wonderful. Helps me organize my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there um, a first lady that you've researched that is like was the most surprising to you of like something you learned about them or even their transition between the different uh, categories? Mm. Good question. I've got to think about that a little bit. Um, I think you know what uh, I think probably Jackie Kennedy. In that, I didn't know that she had any input in terms of policy. Mm, yeah, and the fact that yeah. she did um, express her opinions to her husband about mm-hmm. some policy and political issues, and that he served as a sounding board for her. And that she even took notes sometimes. 
uh, in his conversations with other world leaders and other politicians. I yeah. mean, that, that was such a hidden part of who she was as, as First Lady and political life. So mm-hmm. I yeah. think that was maybe the most surprising. Yeah, yeah. that's what we, yeah, and when we were researching her, I was shocked that she was, you know, sitting next to who was a Gorbachev and yeah. they were like making him smile or something. <laughs> oh, you know, no, like, yeah, Khrushchev. 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 Yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, oh yeah, I guess she was like around in their big France trip and mm-hmm. you know, it was mm-hmm. joked that she was just like this fashionable first right. lady, but uh, she was, you know, performing some sort of diplomacy. Yeah, and yeah. the other thing is everyone knows about um, her role as um, a historical uh, preservationist there with the White House, but that that was uh, more than just her idea of restoring the White House to its um, historical authenticity, but she was also involved in historical preservation elsewhere Mm -hmm. in D.C. and where you two reside now, New York. So (laughs) I... Yeah, she. Th- there was there was much more to her mm-hmm. than I think the general public understood at the time. Although I although I understand why she largely promoted herself, or um, you know, the Kennedy White House promoted her as oh, she's a devoted wife and mother, and is interested in fashion because those were considered appropriate mm-hmm. interests uh, in the early nineteen sixties. <laughs> yeah. But she was much more than that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great answer. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great answer. Um, do you think there's a first lady that should have been president? Oh. <laughs> so many. Us <laughs> <laughs> too. Oh, us yeah. too. <laughs> we feel that way. That's the answer we always get. Yes. Like, let me list them. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, um, we would have come to the modern civil rights movement a few decades earlier if Eleanor had been yes. president instead of Franklin. So yeah. there's one right there. I Speaking of Betty Ford, I mm-hmm. think she, um, she was, uh, had a, a, a much higher EQ uh, than her husband. <laughs> yeah. And I think that she could have, if she'd been president, could have championed um, certain women's issues um, in a way that would have made them, would have made more long-lasting accomplishments that are now under threat. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, And she might have been able to stave off this hard right takeover of the Republican Party Mm -hmm. that subsequently happened. because she was really good at just communicating with the general public and probably could have persuaded more people that um, it was wise for the Republican Party to stay committed to women's issues yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's such a yeah. good point. yeah i don't know if you've yeah. seen um the showtime show the series that just started no i've been interviewed about it two or three times <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's gonna come you know be, be, before it be, of course before yes. it debuted yeah and so in a couple of venues uh or maybe yeah about three different venues i was quoted about it last week before it even yeah debuted and so i haven't seen it yet but Again, driving in listening to NPR, Viola Davis was being interviewed. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. and was talking about, you know, portraying 
Michelle Obama. In fact, that was what was on when I parked my car and turned the radio <laughs> yeah. off. So, yeah, the first episode, just Betty Ford's empathy mm-hmm. comes across so in the, mm-hmm. the killing yeah. of mm-hmm. um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s mm-hmm. mother mm-hmm. And, um, and also just her yeah. talking about why they both went to therapy when they were interviewing Gerald Ford for VP. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it was very mm-hmm. obvious, her mm-hmm. empathy that comes across. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm mm-hmm. interested to see how they tell that version mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from what we know about Betty Ford and what she did after <laughs> right, she was first exactly. lady in terms of the yeah. Betty Ford Center and right. her uh, battle with breast cancer. Right. It's just like, there's just so much there. Right. And she really like, she, yeah, it's, it's really neat when you see these women who were like uncompromising in a lot of ways. And I think that she said, a great modern example of that because mm-hmm. you yeah. have some of these other women in in the past that maybe tried to be but it, it's neat also and it's also neat to see um that you know that their partners weren't necessarily telling them to stop which right, which right, um, right. i appreciate yeah that's yeah. good all three women um who are whose lives are dealt with in that series had supportive husbands mm-hmm. you know yeah. who let them be themselves and encourage their interests mm-hmm. and although they had different qualities of marriages i mean obviously sure. the fords and uh the obamas had really solid yeah loving marriages by the time mm-hmm. they get into the white house they the roosevelts are really living separate lives so yeah. fdr's motivation might have been more well, yeah, let Eleanor be Eleanor, uh, because <laughs> what else is she going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no slowing down, Eleanor. No, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we don't see that much of each other anyway, so right, she right. might as well just go out and Love do her, her thing. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of that also, um, in terms of breaking boundaries of their times, is there anyone that you think of that really kind of was like, breaking the boundaries of just like the what we think of as a woman um, and a woman's role as a political partner or even just as a partner? Um, is there anyone that kind of broke those boundaries as First Lady? Well, I'm, I, I'm thinking... Um, I hate to keep coming back to the same people, um, but maybe there's a reason. I was going to say they're <laughs> iconic for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they they are particularly outstanding examples of first ladies who really made the role their own and who had dramatic experiences. So I would say Eleanor Roosevelt mm-hmm. uh, in that she really became the first mass media first lady Mm, mm -hmm. with her frequent use of radio. Oh, yeah. And, of course, her daily newspaper column. I mean, you know, so that was really breaking out of of the mold that first ladies um, had previously created for themselves in that she is going to become an omnipresent um, public figure and is... I'm sure you both know, at her uh, press conferences, she only allowed women journalists. Mm-hmm. She said, we have to, I have to boost the women yeah. in, in the profession because they're not allowed to interview so many other, or invited or welcome to interview so many other uh, people who are involved in the government, but I will let them and, and them alone interview <laughs> me as First Lady at my press conferences. So I think in terms of being accessible to the press, in terms of really making her presence known to uh, Americans from coast to coast, you know, that was really breaking the mold. And being so um, 
involved in important issues of the day in such a high-profile way. Yeah. And um, several first ladies who followed her um, did not play that type of obvious political role, mm -hmm. um, but those among those who did, of course, um, I would say Betty Ford did in her brief time as First Lady, mm -hmm. you know, as a champion of the Equal Rights Amendment, yeah, <clears throat> as a, a champion of the Roe v. Wade decision, mm. and Mrs. Carter followed up on that, and the two would appear together. You know, their husbands yeah. had been political rivals, but uh, both Betty Ford and Rosalind Carter would show up on the same platform yeah. uh, at public events advocating for the Equal Rights Amendment, mm -hmm. and so... Um, I think those two back-to-back -back first ladies who were very uh, important champions of, of women's rights and women's issues, that was different. Mrs. Roosevelt had championed a variety of issues, and I think the three of us would look back and say, yeah, she was a feminist. I mean, who else calls... Yeah. A press conference and said only the women journalists <laughs> yeah. no, it's will be allowed. Yeah. And uh, but she didn't define herself that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she was the years when she was first lady were the classic years between the the two um, waves. Not that I really like that term, but those mm -hmm. are that's terminology everyone's familiar with between the first and second wave of 20th century feminism, mm -hmm. you know, is the time in which Eleanor Roosevelt is first lady. And so she, there's not a, a ready-made movement maybe that she can gravitate to. Right. I mean, there is a feminist movement still in existence and people who are still calling them feminists in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s, but it's not the high-profile, high-energy mm -hmm. movement that we had seen in the teens and 20s and then again in the late 60s going forward. But right. when you have Mrs. Ford and Mrs. Carter, yeah, there was a high-profile feminist movement, yeah. and they embraced it. And, and again, to uh, repeat something I said before, we wouldn't think today of a Republican first lady doing that. Mm -hmm. I know. Because the party has changed so much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Betty Ford yeah. was in the mainstream. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was my most shocking. In yeah, those days. I'm very liberal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so everyone knows that that other listeners. But, yeah, re researching Betty Ford, I was, I mean, sad to say, I was, like, so shocked mm -hmm. that she was supporting Roe. And I, I just wasn't expecting that because I'm so, you know, as a millennial, just used to what we see as the mm -hmm. Republican Party today. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like a nice surprise, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to learn more about her and, and definitely see how she's portrayed in the show. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't know that her and Rosalind yeah. like uh, were together. That's yeah, really yeah, cool to see. it's like, so neat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a big uh, pro ERA uh, mass meeting in Houston, Texas, uh, the first year of Jimmy Carter's presidency, 1977, mm -hmm. and they they. We're both there That's in so attendance. Wow. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Promoting. Yeah, like when will we ever get two first ladies I on know. stage again from opposite ends? <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, you moved, Doctor Jill. Those things used to happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Yeah, very cool. So true. Yeah. Go ahead, Elise. You want to ask the next question? Um. Yeah. Where are we? Sorry. Um. Oh yeah. So, do you have any um? favorite like first lady resources that you use or like do you like first person interviews or secondaries resources books that you recommend for us or our listeners 
oh, this is why instead of this conference room, maybe we should have had this interview <laughs> in my much smaller space in my office. Oh, you must have the best library. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of cool books up there. Um, well, I, I mentioned the National Archives previously, and I think that that was a great source for me in my first book um, because letters that, say, people wrote to Eleanor Roosevelt that specifically made reference to U.S. agriculture, oh, cool. those were there. Wow. Uh, as opposed to some of the other records about the uh, Roosevelt administration, which would be at the Presidential Library at yeah. Hyde Park. Um, and so most of the presidents and first ladies that we have known throughout U.S. history um, don't have libraries dedicated specifically to that couple or that presidency. And so the National Archives can be a great resource um, in looking at a, a variety of presidential administrations. Um, unfortunately, until you get to the 20th century, however, um, most people aren't directly corresponding with first ladies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but so the, the National Archives is a great source for primary documents. And of course, now uh, the presidential libraries that mm -hmm. do exist. Yeah. And the First Ladies uh, yeah. Library. Um, I, again, since my research is about the 20th century, I have um, access to source material that people who study earlier periods don't and that mm -hmm. includes you know television archives um, movie reels when you're talking about the the first ladies who preceded television mm -hmm. um, audio recordings of course um, and one thing that I have investigated is how First ladies are portrayed in popular culture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like um, entertainment movies, mm -hmm. like there was that movie uh, with uh, Natalie Portman about Jackie Kennedy. Mm -hmm. Lots of, Eleanor Roosevelt has been portrayed frequently in, on, in movies and on television. So yeah. that's, that's kind of a neat angle. Um, you know, how has this first lady been uh, portrayed in docudramas yeah. and you know what what do the people who produce uh, these popular cultural products who do they think these first ladies <laughs> were and so yeah. you know, what are they going to emphasize in how these women are portrayed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's been interesting material for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we just did a panel with um, the National Library of First Ladies mm -hmm. for uh, Hyde Park on the Hudson, that movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, I mean, oh, Eleanor yes. is very brief in that movie. It's yeah. more about uh, yeah. FDR. But, um, yeah, and we were Googling, like, other times Eleanor has been portrayed. Yeah. And, like, Cynthia Nixon did an HBO right. show. Right. Like, right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, to see how they're, like, how these actresses and, and producers interpret these women is really mm -hmm. interesting. So. It's also fascinating, you know, and I think this is something that, you know, we're learning is just the idea that, like, these women existed before and after this job, a lot of them. Yeah. And so that's been really fun to, like, see. And I, my hope is that we'll start to see a little bit more of that in mm -hmm. pop culture, uh, you know, because I think so, t so, you know, the time in the White House is so, you know, 
iconic for lack of a better word but uh we, like we discovered too even um we did uh we usually will do one episode on each first lady but for some of them we have to do more because we just have more mm-hmm. understanding and for jackie kennedy we did before the white house during the white house and after mm-hmm. the white house and I, it was important to us too to talk yeah. about the sort of the bread of the sandwich you know <laughs> because yeah, yeah. um yeah and, yeah and sometimes when we see these things in media and you know I'm I I think that's what we're also interested in is like you were saying just like their childhood or mm-hmm. what they did after mm-hmm. um like Jackie Kennedy helping to renovate Grand Central Station right. or think you know so yeah. things like that um exactly. so yeah yeah well I think that's one reason why uh two of the the first ladies in the Showtime series are particularly uh, interesting, and I've talked about them a lot already this morning, <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt and Betty Ford, because they had um, such meaningful post-White House yeah, years, yes. where what they did after they were First Lady was um, equally mm-hmm. important to what they accomplished while First Lady. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And especially as we get into modern history, I mean, these women just won or live in longer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And, I mean, Michelle Obama is like, a spring chicken at this right. point. Yeah. Yeah. She has so much to give up. Yeah. Yeah. So much to give yeah. her. Yes. So like, yes. I'm so excited to see what she'll do. And yeah, you know, too. she's so young me already. Too. So yeah, it's too. it's really cool that we get to see like a full full life of these women. Mm-hmm. I think we're uh, at least I'm mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. yeah. And then, so just to move slightly away from the First Ladies, because we know that you do women's history as well. Um, we did, when we did um, James Buchanan, we did an episode on William Rufus, who mm-hmm. was his um, perceived partner. Um, we, of course, did Harriet Lane uh, right mm-hmm. after. We also um, did an episode on Sally Hemings, mm-hmm. and we talked about Good. Thomas Jefferson. Um, and so I guess what our question for you is, are there any women that you've discovered along in your research about, you know, this that, that maybe even... Even we should know about or that are just sort of like extraneous mm. to the the presidents is one that comes to mind is um missy who was fdr's mm-hmm. chief of staff yeah, missy Lehan. yeah 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 um i don't know if you can think of any off the top of your head or you know but well um i've forgotten her first name but her last name was lincoln mrs lincoln who was the administrative assistant to jfk oh uh, okay she had been with him a long time really you know, throughout okay. his congressional career and she along with jackie kennedy uh and later jackie kennedy onassis became a real keeper of the jfk flame oh you know, cool. she was very okay. protective of his image and was a real gatekeeper to him. So I imagine that mm-hmm. there were more yeah. uh, Miss Lehans and mm-hmm. Mrs. Lincolns out there who worked as um, assistants to presidents who played a really important role, not only in their, uh, you know, the daily working of their administrations, but in, as I said, uh, keeping the flame. Yeah. You know, um, helping along and enhancing um, a president's historical mm-hmm. image. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of some other examples of that. Well, another very famous, uh, of course, back in the day, all these women were called secretaries. Yes. But, <laughs> uh, an, another important administrative assistant was President Nixon's uh, Rosemary Woods. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. As with JFK, this was someone who had worked with Nixon throughout his congressional 
um, career and mm -hmm. uh, uh, during his vice presidency and continued to be a real loyal um, staff member, you know, through the whole Watergate era and mm -hmm. of course yeah. uh, she took the fall for erasing yeah. yes, a portion of right. Right, right, okay. one of the infamous tapes and <laughs> the way she described how she did it does not sound plausible yeah that shows how loyal she sure, was sure yeah, yeah yeah so i think i think that may be those may be some of some of the okay, unsung yeah. uh women figures yeah those, those are who, wonderful who worked as um, administrative assistants mm -hmm. to presidents yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. if you're in new yeah. york over the next couple of months there's a great broadway play i don't know if you've heard it's called potus um and it's about these seven women who help a presidency run and the president gets into some, you know, silly trouble with like an affair or something. But these women, it's of course comedy, Rachel Dratch is in it and Vanessa Williams, but it reminds me of this, like all yeah. these women making things run behind the scenes, yeah. protecting his legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the protection, yeah, and the protection of the legacy is something that is is absolutely wild. I mean, we talked about it a lot with Thomas Jefferson mm -hmm. and the way that his daughter, like, was like... Oh, yeah. W the, they, like, blamed a cousin for <laughs> all of the children that who were looked, being had. It was, it was like just like... Right, right. <laughs> the so burning of the letters. There's that so happened. many letters like, that yes. are being burned, and, and, and we just are always so fascinated. You know, like, Martha Washington burned all of the letters with George Washington, yeah. and we always joke that it's, like, because he was, like, said I was a little sad the other day, and she's like, you can't be sad, yeah, you're George yeah. Washington, you know, you're like, the father of the country. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's interesting that, like, there is this, like, yeah, there is this whole force of people, probably women, who are protecting mm -hmm. these legacies, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's something that, yeah. Yeah, I remember, now that you mentioned this play, POTUS, that I, I skimmed a review, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. And I, I told you in a, an email, I am going in and out of New York yeah. uh, in June, but that's lickety split. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I, you're like, just yeah. stop at a JFK for a little yeah. while. <laughs> yeah. So I need to, uh, I, I love New York. I need to, now that the pandemic is waning, I need to get out there. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. make another of my periodic trips. <laughs> um, okay, so we've come to the end, uh, but we end our episodes, every episode, yeah. we always give advice to the first lady okay. that we've just covered. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, they don't need it. <laughs> we give it anyway. <laughs> um, but our, whenever we have guests on, we always ask if they have advice for either Dr. Jill, because she's our first lady right now, or us, or both. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you say. Yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever you say. Yeah, mainly for you two, I'll, I'll just say keep doing what you're doing. It sounds oh, like you do you. read a lot and, you know, you're interviewing people who've done research on the topic of first ladies and you're availing yourself of all the, the pop culture <laughs> uh, sources. And uh, so, so just keep doing your homework mm -hmm. and uh, keep up your enthusiasm. I don't think I need to give you advice there. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you can't see their faces, <laughs> but they uh, occasionally I look away to think for a while and then I turn back and look at them and they're just smiling ear to ear. Oh. And their eyes are big, like, oh, we love this. We are so enthusiastic. So I don't need to give you advice about keeping up your level of enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, Dr. Jill, oh, I my main advice to her would be similar to my advice to the two of you, which is keep doing what you're doing. I think it is so great that you are um, continuing 
your professional identity as an educator at the same time uh, you are uh, playing the role of first lady and being a very down-to-earth first lady Mm -hmm. you know stopping by a local coffee shop and you know going in and chatting with people um, I think that um, uh, Americans like to believe they know the first lady Mm -hmm. and she is certainly someone who seems to say yeah this is me this is Jill Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, take me or leave me, but this is me. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And so, uh, I described her in one interview I did recently as Jill from down the block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think that's how she uh, comes across, and I think she should just continue doing that. And because I think she's very good at that, uh, but she's also very busy with her mm-hmm. career as an educator. Um, that. She um, should present herself to the American people whenever she can. Mm -hmm. Because I think during the Trump presidency, Americans wanted to see more of their first lady and had a a much more um, introverted woman in the role at that Mm -hmm. time. Now you have an extrovert, (laughs) Jill Biden, Get out there, Jill, and just show us yourself yeah. and go out and talk to real people when, whenever you can because I think the American people like to have a first lady like that that they feel is accessible mm-hmm. and you know is, is out there serving the American people. So, uh, again, now that the pandemic, we hope, um, is waning, she'll have more opportunities to do that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, and we'll have a new archetype, hopefully, a, yeah. a career. Yeah, I like, know, I, I love know. that. I know when I you know. mentioned that, it I was know. just like that. It's so, it's, and it, I didn't even think of it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I didn't even. It's it's so. Um, yeah. So when yeah, we were talking yeah. about breaking the mold, I mean, obviously she's done that. Yes, and, and totally. It would be great if uh, all first spouses would continue to do that. I don't yeah. put my professional identity on hold mm-hmm. in yeah. some form or fashion, I can continue it while I'm in the White House. It's so and especially cool. for me as an educator myself, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'd love to see an educator in the White House mm-hmm. and bringing more attention to the importance of education in our society. So, yeah. So that's yeah. great. I like yeah. that in 2022, first ladies are still breaking the mold, you know? Oh, that so means cool. we just got a lifetime of, of these women making yeah. amazing decisions and... and Breaking the mold. Yeah, right. and it's, you know, because there's just so much undefined understanding of the role, too. Still, yeah. And so it does take a, a quite a woman to be able to go in there and say, I'm going to do it this way, you know, mm-hmm. because um, there's, there's as much as it is, you know, uh, I don't want to like, as much as there is, like, it's classic and there's things that they do, there are certain events that they go to, there is still so much that they can do with it and mold it. So right. it's yeah. neat. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, one of the interviews uh, last week was uh, from the, uh, in, was from a reporter at NBC, but the online mm-hmm. uh, version of NBC News. And he was asking why people are so fascinated, you know, with the First Lady. And first ladies in general, and I said, I think part of it is because different women can hold that role, of course, yeah. but everyone does it a little bit differently. Yeah. And so, especially when you see a transition over just the last, you know, five years, <laughs> mm-hmm. six years from uh, a Michelle Obama 
uh, to a Melania Trump to now a Jill Biden. I mean, such different women yeah, with different yeah. life experiences, and people just are fascinated. Wow, we have a first lady, but the way she um, performs that role can differ drastically from administration to administration and uh, in even a very brief period of time. So I think that's one reason people continue to be fascinated by totally, yeah. Yeah. the First yeah. Lady. Yeah. Well, as we end this lovely intro, thank you so much. Oh, Do you have nice. anything to promote or anything you want to share, anything coming up in your <laughs> wonderful professional life that I, I know, I'm like, it, ready to move to Ohio and like take a class? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need an intro? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, you, you, either of you, both of you, I need two in. Uh, yay! We got yeah, the job. They're like, Armu to Ohio. <laughs> you heard it here first. I, I don't know. Lots of exciting things are happening. Um, I'm, I'm going to my ancestral homeland for the first time, uh, Sweden, oh my in um, June. Oh, so fun. For a conference. So that is cool. And I think I'm going to. In fact, today, going to email a distant relative who used to be head of security at the Royal Palace in <gasps> Stockholm. Okay. <laughs> so I think, cool. I think, love royal stuff. Yeah, so I, think, I think he and I shared a great-grandfather. Okay. Yes. That's, and, that's, and, that's um, cute. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm hoping he can give me and the friends I'm traveling with a, a, a tour. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah, you yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so that is cool. And then um, I've... Uh, the other thing I'm emailing people about today is a conference that I'm holding here on September 9th and 10th called Black Life in the Ohio Valley. Oh, and wow. so cool. lots of cool people, uh, anthropologists, archaeologists, historians, mm -hmm. literary scholars, um, just looking at the history of black life and, and culture. Cool. Well, I should have called it Black Life Matters in the Ohio yeah. Valley, but uh, Black Life in the Ohio Valley. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So those are a couple of big projects I'm, I'm doing cool. in the coming months. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk yes, with us. I and know, you're obviously just, a busy woman, and we, thank and, you. Yeah, and you're obviously being asked about the First Ladies a lot. So we appreciate you asking, <laughs> answering our questions as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank fun. you very yeah. much. Yeah.